11.9 million files. One of the largest leaks in the history of journalism was released in early October. These so-called Pandora Papers followed the money of many major world leaders, the rich and the famous. They describe in extreme detail how legal loopholes and offshore accounts are used to avoid taxes. While perhaps not surprising to many, this previously secret information is bound to pressure some of the world's most influential individuals. Where did this information come from, and what effect could it have on the world? From the School of Diplomacy at Seton Hall University, this is The Global Current. I'm your host, Eric Butts. With me today are two fellow Seton Hall students. Covering the release of the Pandora Papers is Annie Hevel. Welcome back, Annie. Hey, Eric. And focusing on international and state reactions is Harshana Goru. Welcome, Harshana. Hello. Okay, so let's start with the leak. Uh, Annie, what is, can you give us an overview of what this leak is to get us started off? Absolutely. So basically, to kind of give a basic summary, on October 3rd, the International Consortium of Investigative Journalists, which is an international investigative organization out of D.C., published a series of leaked documents that revealed the secret offshore accounts and tax evasion methods of hundreds of world leaders, billionaires, celebrities. It covered a lot of people and was a really big deal. This leak revealed up to 11.9 million files, which was a total of 2.9 terabytes of data, which is a lot of information. It is the largest trove of leaked data on tax haven usage in history. It took over 600 journalists to dive through it. There's a lot of information, Mm -hmm. and it tells us a lot about the offshore system. So this is just a, a massive scale. Like you, I mentioned in my intro, and you just mentioned it here. It's the largest leak that we know of in, in journalism history. Yeah, exactly. And, it, it, I mean, maybe the largest, but is this the first leak of its kind? It is actually not the first leak of its kind. So the International Consortium of, of Investigative Journalists, also known as ICIJ, has really kind of put its mark in the investigation of offshore tax havens like mm-hmm. this. This sure. is the third major leak of its kind that they've revealed with several smaller, kind of more country-specific leaks in between. The first major leak was called the Panama Papers, which was leaked in 2016. It revealed more than 200,000 shell companies that were used by over 140 politicians and public figures worldwide to disguise hidden finances and all sorts of other activity. Yeah. And then, as well as the Paradise Papers in 2017, which were a little bit smaller, but they revealed a lot of information about some really, really well-known figures Queen Elizabeth, several members of Trump's administration, and the Pandora Papers are really a continuation of these previous leaks. Yeah, are they connected, or are they, do they come from a different source, these Pandora Papers, compared to the Panama and the Paradise? Yes, so the Panama Papers specifically came from one major firm, um, and the Paradise Papers came from multiple different firms that basically s- helped these rich and powerful people create these accounts in which they could store their data and store their money. Okay. Now, I want to turn to a little more detail about, like, who's in these links. Just generally to start with, what you mentioned just world leaders, business uh, owners, celebrities. What kind of people are we seeing primarily in this leak, generally speaking, Harshana? So we actually have a few very familiar names, and the reports mention over 50 politicians involved Mm -hmm. and um, 18 world leaders coming from Africa alone. 
So I'm just going to name some of the most familiar names that we're going to see in there. We have Azerbaijan's president, Ilham Ilyev, who was mentioned in the reports. His family and his close associates were found to be involved in property investments in the UK with money amounting over £400 million. And we have very powerful leaders who have also been associated with this. We have Russian President Putin. Mm. Um, in his case, we have a Russian woman who acquired a waterfront apartment in Monaco after it was revealed that she had a child with President Putin. We also have Ukrainian President Zelensky, who transferred his stakes in an offshore company secretly before winning the 2019 elections. We have some other world leaders. We have the Czech Prime Minister. Um, we have ex-UK PM Tony Blair and his wife were involved. Mm. Um, and many African leaders, like I said, we have Kenyan president, Congo's president, and several others of the likes. Yeah, and, and plenty of Middle Eastern leaders, too. Middle Eastern leaders as well. We have King Abdullah of Jordan. We have leaders from Lebanon, the UAE, and Qatar. Mm-hmm. So this is, yeah, in Latin America, it's, this is a truly global week, because we, I think we have someone from every single continent in the world here. And... It, it's it's scale is is still it's still hard to wrap my head around how just massive this is. Let's get more into detail of, about um, the the actions that would be taking these people. So they were is this primarily tax evasion what we're, what we're seeing in these papers or? So it's actually a combination of things. Tax evasion is certainly a component of it, which is what you which you traditionally hear when you think of offshore accounts. Mm-hmm. That wasn't the full picture, however. Rich and powerful people have lots of different reasons for using offshore accounts. Mm -hmm. Several of the people who are mentioned, for example, King Abdullah of Jordan, he isn't even required to pay taxes in Jordan. So his reasons were different. A lot of the reasons why people use these accounts is because they offer lots of legal protection and specifically anonymity. So it allows people to protect assets and investments that they don't want people to know about. And a good example would be President Putin hiding his secret love child through an offshore shell account. Okay. So they really just help people to hide activity and behavior that they don't want other people to know about. Yeah. It's another big component of it. Well, they t- <laughs> turned out not to be so secret, did they? <laughs> yeah. Um, but how were they How were they at least attempting to, to keep this, this quiet? What process did they go through? You mentioned offshore accounts. Are they just storing information and money in, in bank accounts offshore? Or how, how, how do they do this? So there are several different components that are used. So the main components that people use are shell funds and shell companies, which are basically where people will create an account or create a business, mm-hmm. and that business really does nothing but hold money. So it's kind of a way that they can hide their activity and hide their financial, their financial actions underneath the scope of this company that okay. really has no other being except to hold their money. That's called a shell corporation. Foreign investments as well, investing in um, different funds, different stocks, um, and also setting up trusts that are hidden, that that Mm -hmm. their name isn't directly attached to, but that works to support someone or that they hold money in that isn't necessarily accessible are big ways. Also, we've seen through these leaks, art was used, stolen art was used and passed through hands as a value, lots and lots of different components here. Yeah, I, I wonder, is this is this technically illegal? I mean, you mentioned stolen art and things like that. That makes me think, oh, obviously this is immoral at the very least, but is it what they're doing against the law? A lot of what they're doing is not particularly illegal. In terms of the tax, tax evasion elements of it, it's questionable. 
But in terms of that, it's really based on the tax laws that these companies themselves, that these countries, excuse me, provide. So the act itself isn't necessarily illegal in a lot of cases. It's just seen as kind of immoral because it's hidden activity. Absolutely. And what role do these so-called, like, secrecy brokers play? Are these... Uh, the shell corporations or are these people that help you find and contact these shell corporations? Secrecy brokers are basically agencies and individuals who help clients set up these trust funds and these shell funds. They have the ability to offer anonymity to these people. Mm-hmm. So they basically, yeah, they're kind of the operatives who do the actions of creating these accounts. And many of these firms are the firms from which these leaked files have been revealed. So they show really the intimate details of the accounts that have been created, of the companies that have been made, by seeing the inner workings of how they were created through these through these accounts. So this is, I mean, this is a full-fledged industry. Yeah. Like, it's almost a market. Yeah. Like, I, I don't even know, like, could they advertise <laughs> these these brokers? And they're, they're also international. I saw ones just looking through the list, South Korea, Seychelles, all the sorts of different countries are brokers and then these shell corporations. It's a national... Am, am I right in saying it's an international industry? Yes, absolutely. Okay. So I want to turn now... You gave us a brief overview of some of the kind of people, some of the world leaders that were involved in this. Let's let's go a little more detail. You mentioned, like, Tony Blair. And let's, let's talk about some specific people, uh, the ones that, that surprised you the most or will have the most impact. I think, yeah, so Tony Blair is definitely one one of a surprise, you know. I think it's because these are names that you recognize so easily. Mm-hmm. Um, and in his case, his wife, um, him and his wife, were saved up to 300,000 pounds in stamp duty when they bought a London office, and they also bought an offshore firm that owned that building. Another uh, case that particularly stands out... Was and this after he was prime minister? Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So in the case of King Abdullah of Jordan, the reports reveal that he invested in uh, luxury houses in California um, with some amounting up to $100 million. So these are the, these are very surprising names, along with the other ones that I've mentioned. Um, with Czech Prime Minister, he purchased mm-hmm. two villas worth of $22 million in France and failed to declare the offshore investment company he used to make those purchases. Okay, yeah, so we have all of these... These, these presidents, these prime ministers, am I being a presumptuous in saying that this is part of how they, they become wealthy? Okay, let me, let me back it up a bit. Public service doesn't always pay the best. Like, you know, Congress people get paid over $100,000, sure. But a lot of these politicians are far wealthier. Uh, some of them made their fortunes before going into office. How much, how much does this offshore network, does this information we found in the Pandora Papers, how much does that contribute to their wealth? Well, I'm just going to start by saying that it's not entirely surprising to see (laughs) how much um, these politicians, how much money these politicians have amassed. If if anything, it's it's disappointing, really. Mm -hmm. I think one thing for me is it's hard to say how much of of their money was gained through these firms versus how much is just held there. One Even though they're supposed to be public figures, we that, still know so little. That is, Yeah, that's a very good point. I think one case that particularly stuck out to me is looking at the Prime Minister of the Czech Republic. He really ran his campaign on being a populist president. He was mm-hmm. very anti-corruption, very economic transparency, and then it's revealed 
that he bought $22 million in French chateaus. So I think that really goes to show for me kind of what's at the heart of these papers is it's public figures who, no matter how they made their money, no matter if they're being honest with that or not, they're mm-hmm. really attempting to dis- to hide things that they don't want known, and they're really t- attempting to it, hide yeah. themselves, essentially. It's public figures trying not to be public yeah. and succeeding in most cases, except for... for in in this case and in the case of this this incredible reporting and how did I mean this is such a big organization or such a big industry and they pride themselves on being able to keep it secret what happened here how was the uh, ICIJ which was I mean, what are they again they're the journalists yeah. yep. so yeah. the ICIJ is they're a really interesting organization they are um, a private organization of journalists they are a non-profit, so mm. the journalists don't necessarily work for the ICIJ. They work for news organizations all around the world, 150 different news organizations, and they kind of work together through this organization. It really offers a way, the organization itself is a way for journalists to collaborate on these lofty, groundbreaking investigations. Mm-hmm. Um, so their goal, the whole, or- the whole goal of the ICIJ is to really stop the spread of misinformation, mm-hmm. and they utilize a lot of technology, and they rely on private whistleblowers that they don't reveal to get their information. This is a, is this a reliable source, in your opinion? It definitely is a reliable source. They're like I said, they partner with news organizations from around the world, and I mean some really notable firms. There are some really notable news organizations collaborated on this: The Guardian, The Washington Post, The BBC. So they they certainly yeah. have their connections. Yeah. Yeah. So. They were able to, it was through primarily through whistleblowers. That's their primary source for the information. And then probably connecting the dots with public sources. Yes, exactly. They don't reveal their sources, so it's unknown who exactly leaked these documents. Understandable. Yep. Yeah. But yeah, so like you said, they get these documents from whistleblowers. They got some kind of a leak at some point and then expanded it with the help of over 600 journalists worked on this, digging through all the files, making connections, like you said, relating it to public documents. Public documents before putting it all up. And you can see it on their website, as well as, as you mentioned, on BBC, uh, The Guardian, and um, in the U.S. it was Washington Washington Post Post, was their partner. Okay. Now I want to know the consequences of these documents, because you're taking information that was meant to be secret. That was the whole point of it. That's why they paid so much money for it, was for it to be secret. And you've made it public. Uh, Harshana, what kind of backlash has there been thus far? So the release of these papers has prompted strong international reactions um, around the world, in particular by governments whose citizens were accused of offshoring money. And there has been, there has actually been a mix of reactions by different countries and private actors. Mm-hmm. Pakistani Prime Minister Imran Khan has vowed to investigate every citizen and every member of government who are mentioned in in the reports. Mm-hmm. State actors have have also taken a heavy a heavy backlash. We we've seen in the king of in the case of King Abdullah, he faced a lot of criticism on social media after mm-hmm. the reports revealed his investments, and these criticisms were in fact in part because he made those purchases at the time. Um, when aid was flowing into his country. And mm. the implications of these papers on world affairs are quite captivating. You know, in the case of Russian President Vladimir Putin and his associates' wealth revelations, mm-hmm. opposition members have capitalized on this moment. Um, Kremlin critique Navalny, who is still in jail and who rose to fame by exposing Putin's immense wealth, 
and his inner circle of graft. Mm-hmm. And Russian state media has omitted at the moment any mention of Putin and opposition parties um, who are convinced that these revelations will be suppressed and dismissed as you know Western conspiracy theories and attempts to destabilize Russia. Mm-hmm. And these reports have, have left a very strong um, impression among the public regarding the use of offshore companies um, by rich people to hide and continue amassing their wealth. Yeah, it's um, it's something like you mentioned. <laughs> no one is, is incredibly surprised per se. We've, I've heard of shell companies before. I'm probably sure most people have heard of offshoring before, but these papers, for me at least, made it very real, or and they gave details in, in a way that hadn't existed before. And they also did a great job of explaining what offshore companies were, because I, I mean I'm not an accountant. <laughs> I don't understand. I still don't entirely. Uh, understand how this works, but it, it definitely triggered uh, a response. Have any of the the subjects of these leaks, you know, Putin, Tony Blair, King Abdullah of Jordan, have any of them responded directly to the leak, or has it been radio silence? Yeah, no. So, so the, like I said, there's been mix of reactions. We've had official denials, um, and we've had foreign accusations. In the case of the Czech Prime Minister who recently lost the elections, he in fact accused foreign forces of election interference because mm-hmm. all of that, oh, you know, the release has been happening at a time when he was running for re-election. And it's kind of a relief, honestly, that he lost. And um, in the case of King Abdullah, his legal representatives, um, although they've affirmed his ownership of the properties, have denied that they were purchased using public funds or any aid that the country received. And, you know, this has actually quite divided the audience in Jordan, mm-hmm. with as many coming to King Abdullah's defense as there yeah. are those criticizing him. Yeah, and he's always been he's been criticized in the past. There was the whole uh, kerfuffle earlier in the year in, in the Jordan royal family. Could this leak actually change, this is for both of you, actually change any behavior? Because as we've mentioned, this has been going on for a while and while this has unveiled a lot of it, certainly it's not covered all of it. Um, will this will this make a difference? You know, the issue of tax avoidance has has been there for as long as we can remember, and we cannot <laughs> claim that there hasn't been any measures taken by countries. There mm-hmm. obviously are a lot. Sure. But you know, actually, the most telling implication of this investigation is a new bill um, proposed by U.S. Congress called the Enablers All Caps the Enablers Act, which is an anti-corruption bill. And this Mm -hmm. bill would render it harder for lawyers, financial companies, and accountants to help um, kleptocrats uh, hide their money. And President Biden has called corruption a threat to national security. And, you know, in the past and even now, he stands firmly by laws that would curb widespread corruption in the U.S., if we're talking in this case. And this mm-hmm. bill would require lawyers, banks, you know, advisors, art dealers, etc., to probe mm-hmm. their clients and to ensure that any money that's involved was not acquired through suspicious means. Mm-hmm. And interesting, this paper, these papers revealed a vast network of offshore banking taking place inside the United States. South Dakota and Nevada were among the states that adopted financial secrecy laws enabling okay. foreign leaders to use U.S.-based trust to stock their personal wealth. So could this lead, lead to any change in behavior? I think um, you know, Congress is, is trying to make sure that that happens.
Yes, yes. Actually, that's interesting. I didn't realize that offshoring was being done like in the U.S. From, that's foreign leaders doing offshoring within the U.S. itself. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and I see. I always think it's something that happens in the Bahamas because that's kind of like the <laughs> cliche, um, but it's happening right here at home as well. Well, actually, so which is notable as well is that in, there was in these reports some very wealthy U.S. you know billionaires are not mentioned. People like Elon Musk and Jeff mm-hmm. Bezos. These are not. They are not mentioned in the reports, and some claim that it's because they don't have to pay that much in taxes, which doesn't make it worth them going through these you know alternative means. Uh, yeah, there are other ways to avoid taxes. <laughs> Go ahead, Annie. I was just gonna say I think the the unique locations where funds were found was really a telling component of this these papers. And I think, kind of above all for me, it really just shows the vast s- scale of this whole operation. You know, we're mm. talking trillions of dollars that are hidden. Um, it's it's absolutely massive, and just the, the capacity of wealth that's being hidden and the, the lengths that yeah. are being taken to hide it, I think is what I personally found most alarming from this. But do you think that this reporting could change anything? You know, I think it's really hard to say. Um, I definitely think we're seeing these global efforts being taken. The Mm -hmm. U.S. is attempting to pass new laws now, as are other countries in response Mm -hmm. to this. So, you know, I don't want to sound cynical, but laws are made and then ways are found to avoid those laws. So I think what this really goes to show is that the lengths that people will go to hide their money is huge, Mm -hmm. and it's hard to say if this will really stop that because I think this just shows how deep of lengths people are going to go to hide their money and so if if they need to go to deeper lengths then they will they will find another way around yeah well I guess we'll ask another open-ended question then what could be done what what actions could be taken to change the status quo which has existed for as long as we know uh, about on tax avoidance I know this is corollarily related I know there was the whole thing about a 15% corporate tax rate. That's obviously it's not the same thing, but there are there's a lot of intrigue around the issues of taxation in the world right now, and I want to know what you guys think about what could be done in the future to, to change. Yeah, you know, you're asking a question that all of us want an answer to. What yeah. can we actually do that's going to create change? And I think one of the very important steps is exactly this: what the Pandora Papers have done is reveal. Mm-hmm just how vast this network is and yes. some of the people who some of maybe someone didn't expect King Abdullah to be involved in, in this kind of mm. incident and that and I think that's a very important step to reveal what's actually happening behind the scenes I mean to reveal just how much money just how much wealth is being kept um, hidden and which is driving a lot of the factors that we see in poverty as well what could be done to change the status quo that's kind of a hard question to answer, yeah. but uh, you I know, mean, I'm yeah. sure that as the effects of the Pandora Papers continue to unfold, more countermeasures are to be expected from governments and private actors, um, especially those who have taken a hit by these revelations, because mm-hmm. to some extent it has affected their reputation. Uh, we've seen leaders, you know, um, either resign or lose power. So I think we're going to see the effects in very near future. Okay, Annie. Yeah, I definitely agree. I think. You know, it's 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 definitely hard to say, but as loopholes are found, loopholes will be made closed. And so I think just continuing to kind of strengthen the base legislation that exists to try to avoid this, you know, I'm sure people will always find a way to hide their money, but making it as difficult as possible, even just 
yeah, just kind of strengthening those base laws to really make it as difficult as possible. Okay. So Accountability, kind of, at, yeah. at the end of the day, holding these leaders accountable. Yeah. And so then, you know, props to the ICIJ for, for this incredible reporting and for the, <laughs> the level of detail, all 11.9 million documents. Yeah, I think it's important to note, too, I mean, they've been rooting through these papers for two years. They've been sitting on all this information for two years. Wow. Okay, I didn't know so, that. Yeah, there's so much information to go through, and they're actually still sorting through them. They're still coming out with new information. There's still new stuff being found. I mean, 11.9 million documents, and it's yeah. documents, it's audio, it's pictures, it's spreadsheets. It's, it's I mean, mm-hmm. just vast, vast. And some of it even... Well, these journalists have been using software for the most part to try to sort through it. Some yeah. of the documents are handwritten, and so they can't use software to go through that. And so they've been having to manually look through all of these documents and manually, like, typing it into software and typing it into spreadsheets and such to sort through it. So it's been a mm-hmm. massive, massive operation. And so you mentioned that they're still coming through, so there's there's potentially still more to come. Yes, definitely potentially still more to come. And, I mean, you know, this this leak was larger than the the... Panama Papers, but yeah. not too much larger. So they were both massive leaks at the time. Yeah. The Panama Papers was the largest leak of its kind. So yeah. there's what's to say that there's not going to be another major leak in the next I, few years. I could mean, be, this could be even deeper than we already know. It also could build momentum. I mean, especially if they're relying on on confidential sources, there might be more people who who could say like, oh, there's a place to go with this kind of information that I'm in a privileged position to have. So you think potentially momentum could build with more leaks? Momentum could build with more leaks, and I think it's also, it also could, we also could see that as, I'm just kind of thinking out loud here, but we could also see that's, that... Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's rather the point of the exercise. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well we could also see that as more of these leaks come out, that there's bigger efforts taken by people to move their money out of the offshore leak as well, because it mm-hmm. shows that while these, while these accounts seem secret and they seem private, there are ways that they will be exposed. And so mm-hmm. we could also see new measures developing of people trying to hide their money, a completely okay. different method forming, or even just people moving their money back into more traditional means. It's really hard to say. Yeah, I mean, that's true. this leak has uh, has undermined an industry in a way. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for that. Annie, uh, Harshana, uh, this has been a fantastic discussion. Thank you so much for joining us. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Thanks, Eric. And joining me now to round out some other headlines this week is our news briefer, Christopher Benitez Cuartas. Hey, Chris. Hey there. Thanks for having me today. Thanks for coming on. So, what are you keeping an eye on this week? So, there are three headlines that I've noticed this week. Mm-hmm. The first comes from the UK, as Member of Parliament Sir David Amos was brutally stabbed and killed in his constituency. Mm-hmm. The next comes from the Central American country of El Salvador as they protest a recent passage of law by President Nayib Bukele in which Bitcoin is adopted as legal tender alongside the U.S. dollar. And ASEAN has rescinded its invitation to Minon Liang, leader of Myanmar, to their summit. Okay, so let's start with what happened, um, this this horrible stabbing and killing in, in the U.K. So Sir David Amos, who is a member of uh, British Parliament for the South and West in Essex, east of England, was brutally stabbed and killed in an attack during a meeting with his constituents last Friday. Mm -hmm. There are reports that this attack may be linked to Islamic extremism, which has prompted the involvement of MI15 and the Scotland Yard. Prime Minister Boris Johnson, Home Secretary Priti Patel, 
and the leader of the opposition, Sir Keir Starmer, have expressed their condolences and condemnation of the attack. It is a horrible attack, and unfortunately not the first time it's happened in the UK recently. All right, what's going on in El Salvador? So the Salvadoran president is in hot water after he removed judges from the Supreme Court and adopted Bitcoin as legal tender and is allegedly mulling a second term as president, which is currently prohibited in the national constitution. Last week, President Bukele changed his Twitter bio to, say, Emperor of El Salvador, causing outrage worldwide. Local media reports that at least 4,000 people were on Plaza Cuscatlan in the capital city, San Salvador. An effigy of the president has been burned. And last but not least, what happened with ASEAN? So ASEAN, the Association of Southeast Asian Nations, and the government of Myanmar have agreed to send a non-political representative of the country to the upcoming summit in Brunei last Friday after the regional bloc announced that it would withdraw its invitation to the chairman of the state administration council, Senior General Min Aung Hliang, who took power in a coup in February, ousting the now-imprisoned state councillor Aung San Suu Kyi, has received sanctions and condemnation for human rights abuses from the EU and other Western nations. Okay, Christopher, thank you so much. Thank you for having me. And that is all we have time for today. Be sure to follow The Global Current on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter for updates on upcoming shows. This show would not have been possible without our dedicated crew. Executive producer Jared Ding, associate producers Jasmine DeLeon and Joaquin Maximus, and technical producer Chimdi Chukawerke, and associate technical producer Andrew Ricolia. And of course, your host, Eric Butts. The Global Current is brought to you by the School of Diplomacy and International Relations at Seton Hall University. As always, keep it current with us and catch us on the waves every Sunday at 8.30 a.m. on 89.5 FM WSOU. Until next time, thank you.